welcome to our second episode of our Dear Children podcast on 1 John. Staff Minister Matthew Werner with Pastor Jensen. Excited to get a chance to share this section of scripture with you. There's certainly a lot in this section. Today, what we are going to be chiefly looking at is the way in which hypocrisy can really damage the message that we share. We also want to look at the power of confession. So we see that John talks about this very directly in these verses. We'll read through 1 John 1 through 5, verses 2 through 6, and we'll get a chance to reflect on how God gives us this opportunity. He gives us like these warnings and he points us to confession. This is something that one of the themes that we see in 1 John is this light and dark. And in these verses, we see that John highlights for us that God is the light that lets us see these things. Begin with 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. The section that I really want to at least begin highlighting is the hypocrisy that gets talked about here, especially those last couple verses. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. We, we get a sense of what hypocrisy does and the damage that, that that really does to the faith, does to this message. When you think of that damage that's done by hypocrisy, how does that happen? To me, it strikes as what God even says here. We lie and do not live out the truth. And I think it raises that question, how often do we lie to ourselves about things? Because that's hypocrisy. And that's, that's a really interesting way to put it. So often when I think about hypo- hypocrisy, I think about not so much myself, but others. So to flip that, I think, is, is really powerful. And it helps to see that there it helps me to see that there are so many different ways to be, um, to be hypocritical. And it's, it kind of all, in a way, when I think about it, kind of comes back to, to faith, and I, to, to personal faith. And I think of it in terms of, you know, just if I'm driving in my car and I see someone who I deem is not driving appropriately, 
how quickly, um, and my children will tell you this too, it's, <laughs> it's something I'm trying to work on, but uh, it's something that they'll say, oh yeah, d dad, dad's pretty quick to, to say things about those that um, are on the road with him. That's maybe putting it gently to what they'd really say. But it's that I, to me it's that, that same idea of, okay, the hypocrisy is, when I think of that driving situation is like, okay, I have it right how I should be driving and the rules of the road and those around me aren't doing it correctly. Um, so it comes, I think that hypocrisy and taking it back to myself is saying, I'm a good driver and I know all the rules and whatever different reasons don't really matter. So all of that to me kind of bottles up into that question of, of hypocrisy and how that comes back to yourself. And that gets into two as he says, if we claim to be in fellowship with him, okay, because that's hypocrisy comes where the idea we think we have it right. Mm -hmm. We are doing it right and someone else is doing it wrong, but the question that comes, are we actually doing it right? And that question is one that is is really disarming because we want I want to think that I am doing this thing right. I want to think that I have this sense of morality correct. And I think the truth is that there's so much wrong with thinking that way. And it, it's because it's starting here. It's starting with me. And it's not thinking about other people at all. It's not thinking about so many different things that factor into that, but it's all me, me, me. And not only just that thought of me, 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 but it's also the assumption that I'm better than you are or that I know more than you do. And I think that that's where a lot of that can kind of jumble this whole situation. And the irony in that is too, as far as the danger of hypocrisy in the church is that people don't look at themselves. <laughs> because they want to look, for when it comes to hypocrisy, they want to look at others. Mm -hmm. But the problem with hypocrisy is a personal problem and then the fact that you won't even look at yourself for that personal problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that I, goes back to that line to yourself. And I think that that is the, the foundation, the start of, of hypocrisy. And also just a huge major problem within the church mm -hmm. um, in lots of different ways. And so I think when it comes to hypocrisy, the most important thing too is, okay, it is looking, God is light, let his light shine in your heart first. Mm -hmm. What he speaks, what he proclaims as far as what sin is even. It needs to shine in your heart first before you can even think about anyone else's. I guess, and the, the, the picture that comes to my mind with that, it, it, it makes me laugh a little bit to, to think of it, is just this idea of like we, we have these solar panels God is this light and we all have the solar panel. But instead of like saying, okay, I need to have my solar panel out, instead I'm taking the mirror and like trying to shoot it at someone else's solar panel because I think, oh, I'm filled up enough. I don't need this. So it's, it's taking that, that solar panel that I need and kind of chucking it over my shoulder, whipping out the mirror and like point it, trying to point that light at everyone else. And the reality is, is when I'm doing that, I'm not being filled up. Um, I'm not getting that light that I need. And it just becomes completely, you know, focused in the wrong way. And without having that light you need, you just find yourself further walking in darkness. Mm -hmm. It's you're going to further get away with your own heart, your own life of what actually is the truth of God's word, of what your relationship with him, of really the reality of our sins. And 
it becomes so easy when you're not looking at God's Word, letting that light for you to see your own sin. You are in darkness. You're blind. You don't see it at all. And it's just, you think about light and darkness. And yeah, okay, as the day goes on, it gets darker. But that's not darkness. Darkness is when there is no light. Light and dark are polar opposites. If, if you can see, there has to be light for you to see. And now, most often in our lives, very rare cases, would we ever find ourselves in total darkness. But that's essentially where sin starts to take us. Mm-hmm. One of the real strong connections that I feel John makes here is that having faith involves doing things. Um, and it, he, he makes that connection, I think, when he, he says in verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Um, and I think that just that idea that the, there's more to this than just saying, I believe. That's what I think John highlights for us here. When he does that, what do you say, how, how do you describe that relationship of keeping these commands and also um, acknowledging that we're saved by faith? I think it goes back to that idea, too, that God is light. Okay, God is light. Yeah, that includes his love. That includes the forgiveness. But God, his very being, is light. That includes all his goodness, all his perfection. There is nothing dark about God. And so, as John puts it, to walk in the light means to walk in God's ways. Now, it only happens because of God has brought us to the light, called us out of darkness into his wonderful light, as the Apostle Peter writes. But to be in the light means to live in the light. It's not an either-or. You can't have one foot in the darkness and one foot in the light. And it's, it's really comforting to see that John kind of addresses that idea. Um, and he starts it with just that, that phrase and a big reason, the reason that we titled this, this series, My Dear Children. That's how he talks. Um, and he says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So to me, it, it's acknowledging, you know, that question that, that comes up and it, it comes up so often, just that idea of, yeah, but pastor, I am a sinner. I know that I've done these bad things. And then to see that John tells them, so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, and then points them to Jesus. That acknowledgement of like, yes, there, we have this problem, and points them to this advocate. And I think that name is really special for Jesus here, too. In there, I think, too, yeah, the, he's the advocate. He's the one who speaks on behalf of us to God. We don't need to speak for God. We can't on our own because of the darkness of our sin. He is Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the one who is completely right. No darkness, no sin. Okay, and that's who's speaking on behalf. And that this is God's light too, that it's not just, okay, following his commands and okay, we can't do that. John writes that we don't sin, that we don't continue in it, but we do still fall into sin. We still struggle with the sinful nature. But God is light, and in him, when there was darkness at all, he's taken away that sin. 
that if he's brought us to his light, that means he has removed our darkness. That's, that's just so comforting to, to be able to go back to that and to be able to place all of that on, on Jesus. Like you said, that the comfort to me is in that he is the one that is doing the action. And it's not this, this coming back and focusing on, well, I have been really hypocritical. I have um, held people in, in, in unfair regard, all these things. And then to look and to see, but Jesus is one acting. He's the one doing this is incredibly comforting. And I think that brings it to that danger of hypocrisy. I think it can go in a few ways. One, the danger of hypocrisy goes in that we were ready to point the finger at others, hypocrites. In fact, and then forget to realize what he says here, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I think it's pretty, you know, pretty pointed that that's the language that's, that is used here. Not, not like, not also for mine. Um, and not only, and then also point to the whole world. Like, it's, it's just, um, it destroys all of that hypocrisy with that statement, because it's, say, it's, it's, saying, yeah, this gospel is for every single person. When, when we see hypocrisy, first we want to recognize it in our own hearts and then run to this forgiveness, be comforted. But then also as we see it, perhaps among others, the goal is not shame on them. The goal is, I write this to you so that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it points to the, that reality too. Uh, when when someone says, you know, that church is full of hypocrites. I work with those people. I see what they do, and so often I think the immediate defense is to to try to defend that. But I think the reality is, you can instead say, no, it is full of hypocrites, <laughs> and it's full of sinners. Yeah, yeah, and that is something that when when you are able to recognize your own sin is incredibly comforting. Because it's not saying, oh, those people think that they're better than I am. But instead, it's realizing, no, they, they say that they are sinners just as I am a sinner. And that changes the conversation regarding hypocrisy. Um, it changes the conversation from becoming gossip of hypocrisy to becoming reaching out in concern for those who are falling into hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Which is, and I think that that turn is, is such, a, such a good one. And it, it really does kind of tie into one of the other things that, that we see really strongly come out in this verse, and, and that's the idea of confession and, and what that means and how we go about doing that, how that ties into our life as Christians. I think as, um, as Lutherans, at times we want to push away from this idea of confession and to, to recognize the value and, and how that comes about, I think, too. You know, the value there, too, if anyone does confess his sins, to recognize confession is a good thing. It is a growing thing. To confess our sins, to be able to admit them first in our own hearts, to admit and acknowledge them to others, that shows you know that growth, that shows we are seeking to walk in the light not trying to hide anything. The light lets us see, and we're okay with it because, yeah, it shows sin, but that's who we are. That's the truth. 
I think one of the biggest misconceptions about confession, when we read the, the verse to really look at here, verse 9, we look at it, and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. So what does that mean for the sins that I don't confess? I think is where, like, the next question that so often can spring off of that verse or idea. And I think that, too, takes us maybe perhaps a danger of hypocrisy to a different ditch. A different ditch that, oh, no, I have done all these things more than I possibly could even realize, and it can lead us to despair of, look how much in the darkness I am. And do then, as Satan comes to try to think, you don't even know all the bad things you've done. How can you even admit all the bad things you've done? How could you have forgiveness for the bad things you've done? And to realize that that's not what God is saying here, that he's saying that you must now verbally confess. He's not even saying that you must consciously be aware of them all in your heart. Really, what he's saying here is that this is a certainty. This is a certainty that to have a repentant heart, it equals, it equals forgiveness. It equals that their sins have been taken away, that God is faithful to his promise of forgiveness. He purifies from all righteousness. It's not a, if you do this, then this will happen. It's not, if you confess your sin, then you will get forgiveness. It's not a, your end of the bargain. It's simply, when there is confession and repentance, this always happens. It's emphasizing God's faithfulness, as it says right there. Where there is repentance, which is not just an action, it's an attitude that we live in. Our life is a life of repentance. Weary of a heart, recognizing we don't even know all the sins, but God have mercy on me, a sinner. God is always faithful and just. He has purified us from all unrighteousness because Christ is the righteous one. What a, what a comforting statement to, to be able to look at. You know, and I, I think that brings to then, okay, how do we connect this to our lives, especially as we feel burdened by our sins? How I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a push it's to, to say that confess your sins, and I think that the power in that is, is followed up. Um, if, you, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. When we confess our sins, it, it eliminates this idea that we'll claim to not have sinned. Because by doing it, I think that that power of sin, that guilt of sin, it, it gets destroyed because we are confessing our sins and in doing that we give others the opportunity then to proclaim that forgiveness. It's also recognizing when we do that we confess it knowing that God has forgiven them. So those things I think help us to stay away from that ditch of like this self-righteousness and also keeps us coming back to our Savior Jesus. Um, when, when we do confess. It, it shows, like you said, that this is not something to be hesitant about or wonder, is that something that I should be doing? It's that clear answer of yes, and it helps for sin to lose its power over us. 
And I think here, as far as to take away the power of sin, here that power of conversation is so important, so uplifting. And I just, you know, wonder maybe your thoughts as far as what that power does in a corporate setting, but then also a personal, private setting. And that where I'll take it first, I think, is that personal and private setting. And I think that it's those, those Christian friends that we have, those true Christian friends. And by true, I just mean those ones that we consider to be our closest friends. And with them, that opportunity when someone is actually struggling with something and they are able and willing to bring that or you bring that to someone and to know that this that you can do that and to know what you're going to hear. And I think that that is just so important, again, because um, when we talk about, I guess, sins of habit, I think one of the ways that those can be so damaging is in falling into that habit. But when I talk to someone else about it, it kind of can take away from that habitual nature of the thing um, and instead be this thing that, I'm ashamed, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to tell you this, but when I do that, it's a way to stop that habit um, and know that that friend is going to, in love, help you through that. And I, I don't want to narrow down those options in love because I do think that there are times when that law is probably what needs to be proclaimed. But you know that they're proclaiming that law in love and that they want for you to leave that thing. And the same thing in trusting in that gospel also needs to be heard. But it's that trust in being able to do that. And that's when confession is taking place privately. It's something that is very personal. It is real things. It's not, um, not things that are going on in our mind, but it is, um, it is actual real things that we can talk about that we name the sin. Um, that's not to take away from the importance and the, how great it is to have um, corporate or public confession of sins too. I think that that is also um, very powerful uh, for, for lots of different reasons. There's a reason that we say that in church all the time. And again, it, it points to when we are having that public confession of sins, you look around you, who's making that confession of sins? And it's every single person that you are with. There's power in that. And also in then hearing those words that are, your sins are forgiven, um, that those are proclaimed to you freely um, from from the pastor, this direct message from God that he's proclaiming to you that, yes, your, your sins are forgiven. And I think that that, that ties together that, that power of confession. Um, and it's not just the confession, but it's also the absolution. Um, I think those two things coming together is where that, um, that power is in both of those things. And with those conversations, you recognize the fellowship just grows. The fellowship grows as individuals, as we're doing it, united in the acknowledgement of sin, but also the reassurance of forgiveness. And the relationship, the fellowship grows with our God mm -hmm. because now we are moving away from the darkness. We're walking into his light. It, when I think of that as a picture, it, it's so, it very much is this just picture of loneliness, of exclusion, of being away from other people and it ties in so well too with that light from God that that darkness it, it really does become scary to think about um, and it I think in some ways that is a bit of a curb as at times we see ourselves wandering away from the light 
And I think that that happens in a number of ways, whether we are intentionally cutting ourselves off um, from God or we are intentionally cutting ourselves off from those Christian relationships. And we start to walk away from, from, that, from that light and to know that, no, that's not where we want to walk to. When we think of darkness, I think there's a reason that God uses that as the picture for this because it's terrifying. It's something that, like you said, we're not just talking about less light, but complete darkness. And it, it does become that, that curb that says, no, I, I know that I don't want that. And I think that that's a powerful motivating factor in this too. It's it's a darkness we're going to continually struggle with, a mm-hmm. darkness that you know as we have sinful nature, it's not okay. We all of a sudden get it fixed, and now we walk in a light. No, it's the encouragement here to keep walking in a light, as God is the light, and that's why you see how powerful it is that John says, "But if we do sin." If we confess our sins, yeah, it's going to happen. We have one who speaks to the Father, our advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so to recognize it's an ongoing struggle and that perhaps maybe that's another danger of hypocrisy to think that all of a sudden we've either defeated it or we're immune to it. And that is so telling is I think both sides of that. defeating it, that it's gone, that I'll never be that or immune to it. The reality is that, like you said, this is something that that struggle is always going to be there throughout our entire lives. And that is something that is is important to recognize. And I think it helps us to be able to fight that. Um, Because when we are just, "Eh, we're immune to it, we fall. And we fall so easily. And so I think it's recognizing this truth, and maybe here's we're going to find a big key summary point and conclude that God is light. It's his truth that's light. And one of those truths is that we don't perfectly keep his commands. That if we be claiming to be without sin, that's a lie. And to maybe take some personal introspection, ref- reflect on ourselves and really recognize in any area of our life, are we living a lie right now? And maybe that's a question to ponder as the building bridge to a conversation to kind of see if you can have, and maybe it's you know focusing on those who are closest to you, who've got that strong relationship with. As you reflect first, are there, is there a way I'm living a lie from what God says? To then almost ask in those areas, am I being a hypocrite in this way? In the way I speak about people, but then what I do, and recognize to first focus on our own Because to ask those questions, I mean, have those conversations, it can help expose sin. It can bring us to the light. To the light, not just of seeing, okay, we're sinful, but then also to the light of having those conversations of hearing that we have forgiveness. To build on speaking with each other of not keeping hidden within ourselves our own faults, which is what our sinful nature wants to do, keep them in the darkness. No, but let God's word expose them to the light. Expose them to each other because that, in that way we live together in the light. We live together in forgiveness. We walk in the light of God. 
that's where we'll conclude for this time. I hope you can have some of those conversations or work towards them with each other. Next time, we get to look at the next section of John as he writes to his children, spiritual children as he writes to us, gives us an important message about God's commands. And we get to see the timelessness of them. And we get to kind of continue a thought of light and darkness as we get to explore the blindness that comes with hate. But also we get to see as God speaks to us, as John is writing through to us, his children, why does he write? It's not just because of all the sin we're committing. No, it's because of that relationship as children. Not just children as Johnny, spiritual father, but as children of God. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. We hope you can keep the conversation going and look forward to next time. <laughs>